mercy um, as they do travel. Thank you very much for the delicious meal. Uh, it was very, very good. Crab stew. That was good. I never had had that before. Did you cook that? That was very good. Um, as everything else was. Um, I'm going to read to you from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18, if you care to stand while we read this passage to you, verses 1 through 3. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Father, we ask your blessings on this message this afternoon. May the Holy Spirit take control now and may he speak to us through your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We all assume who Solomon is speaking of there in that verse. Certainly the only one that he could be speaking of in that passage. So who is your very bestest friend in all the world? Who would you consider your best, best friend? Well, I'm going to tell you who your best friend is. It's Jesus. Without a doubt. And I know we have some good friends here on earth. People that um, we consider to be the best friend on earth. But Jesus is the best friend. How many friends do you have? That's a good question. Uh, you know, we use that word friend pretty loosely now. Since we have Facebook and all this stuff, we friend people and we unfriend people and all this stuff. Uh, but real friends, I mean, not the fair weather type friends, the kind that will pat you on the back and then stab you with the other hand. A friend that is one who will stick with you in the good times and the bad times. Uh, A true friend will love you regardless of what you've done or what you may do or who you are. Not necessarily that your friend would condone something that you were doing bad, but in spite of it. A true friend is one who is a friend for life. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all times, 
And a brother is born out of adversity. In adversity, the friend acts even closer. I believe the interpretation would be acts even closer than a brother. Though you drift apart over time, a true friend will never forget you. The Lord Jesus is just that kind of friend to both sinner and saint. Uh, Jesus, my first point, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Did you know he came to die for sinners? And I'll say this first of all, even if you are a lost sinner, Jesus is the best friend you have ever. And he can be your worst enemy as well. And we may get into that a little later. You know, the friend is the highest form of human love. And it's always good if husband and wife are friends. It's the highest form of human love. And the closest form of human relationship. A friend could be anyone. But everyone is not a friend. Many have given their lives because of their love for country. Willingly. Many have died for the cause of God, for the cause of truth, for the cause of Christ. In John 15, if you would like to turn there, I'll read a few verses of Scripture in John 15. But in John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. And he says, And ye are my friends, if you do whatever whatsoever I command you. Now, let's make a distinction here. Jesus is our friend. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we are His friend. He is our friend. But sometimes we are not necessarily His friend. Peter... When he denied the Lord uh, at the judgment there, he wasn't Jesus' friend, was he? Jesus was still his friend, though. And he says in verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. He says, a servant is one who does this and does that and doesn't ask any questions, doesn't need an explanation. He said, I don't, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Because I've told you everything that the Father has told me. You know what I know uh, as far as the will of God on the earth here. So, 
it seems that, and this passage goes all the way through verse 17, but I'm not going to take time to read it all uh, from verse 12 to verse 17, but it seems that there are two different words for the word uh, love in this. And the first word is the word agapo, which means a human affection, which most of us express and receive from each other as people, as humans. But agape expresses the spiritual bond of love between God and man, between man and God, between um, man to man as Christian people, as Christians. In either form, this love does not wait to receive. You see, love doesn't expect something. It is always giving without respect or the prospect or the expectation of receiving something back. And so uh, a friend... you. Person, you can't have a friend unless there's love involved there. You see, they, they're sisters. They go together. <clears throat> the human, the Apostle Paul writes, expresses the human form of this in Romans, the 16th chapter. In Romans 16, 4, he says, Who have, speaking of Aquila and Priscilla, who were very close to him and he had worked with them and they had been had a dear, dear friendship between them. And he says of these this couple who had been such a friend to him, he said, Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Galatians, or the Gentiles, rather. But we can take consolation and assurance that we have been saved from wrath because of our friend Jesus. Jesus was a friend to the lost sheep while he hung on the cross. And he shed his blood for them. He suffered at the hands of wicked men for them. He died for them. Romans 5, verse 7, puts it this way. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Peradventure for a good man one would dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's friendship. That's a friend. 1 John 4.10 Herein is love. Not that we loved God. Because we didn't. Before you were saved, you didn't love God. Matter of fact, you despised anything having to do with God. Now you may argue with with me about that from a human standpoint. But uh, you can't argue with the Word of God. The Word of God says you, before you're saved, are an enemy of God's righteousness. And so you are. 
But he says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And then 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him because, what? He first loved us. So we must not forget that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And secondly then, Jesus is not a friend of the world or a friend to the world. Now the word world is a word that is used much in the scriptures and there are many different There are several different Greek words for the word world and there are different meanings of the word world within the same Greek word. You all understand that? Well, good, I don't. Now, now really, the word world has has to be examined when it's used in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus said the world hated us, hated him. And but notice Jesus said uh, a is a friend of sinners but not a friend of the world. We are instructed as the children of God not to love the world. What world is he talking about? Uh, well, the, I'm going to give you some definition here of the Greek-English lexicon. And uh, I have to give you this out of there because I have no idea. I couldn't tell you this without doing the research. But it says, the one of the words for world is ion or eon or perpetuity of time, eons of time. If you heard people use that phrase, eons of time, well, that means perpetuity of time. Time keeping on and on and on and on and on. Well, there's that's not, that can't be literal because we know that there is going to come a time when an angel is going to stand on the earth and declare time no more. But uh, you understand what, what's being said here. And then there's this word cosmos. It can mean many different things. It could mean the world as the, the, the sphere, the world, the globe, the world. It could mean a multitude, uh, an ungodly multitude. It depends on the text or the context in which the word is used. You see, context is important. Context is critical when you're trying to interpret Scripture. But we find that cosmos, according to the lexicon now, uh, the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. Here's another one. The whole circle of the earthly goods endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., 
which although hollow, uh, hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God and are obstacles of the cause of Christ. Let me, I give you an example of that. Whenever there is something that takes you away from the service of God, Unless it is providential, unless it is something that has caused you that there is no possible way for you to be, well, let's say, for you to be in the house of God on the Lord's day. Unless there's something that has completely prevented that. Uh, we can say that that is a hollow, frail thing. It's worthless. If there's something that you've substituted the Lord's day for, it's worthless. And it's past. It's gone. So, it is, the world can be something that takes you away from God. 1 John 2.15, you all familiar with that verse of Scripture, which says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4, 4. I'll tell you, I don't know if I could sit under James's preaching or not. He was rough. Now, he didn't mess around. He, he talked pretty rough. And he said, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And, uh, you know, we, uh, there's times in, in my life that I've been a more friend of the world than I have God. The world is certainly not your friend. You understand that. The world is not your friend. Young people, the world is not your friend. What you, the things that are in the world today, the fashions and the fads, and all these things are not your friend. They amount to nothing. They'll be gone. They're temporary. They're here and they're gone. You know, you see this tie I'm wearing? I bet this tie has been in and out of fashion five times since I've had it. <laughs> uh, the things of the world are simply temporary and have no intrinsic value. Intrinsic means value that is that lasts, value that is true value. The world is not your friend. Uh, John fifteen eighteen through 19. If the world, Jesus said to his disciples, now listen to this. Y'all listen to what Jesus says to his disciples concerning the world. The world of fashion, the world of fun, and the world of movies, and the world of 
of all the earthly pleasures which only last for a little while. That's the world he's talking about here. Listen to what he says about it. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me. Uh, You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You know why the world hates you? Because the devil hates you. The devil despises you. He is not your friend either. Many Christian religions today are trying to compromise with the world so that they can make friends with the world. It just doesn't work. Just like socialism doesn't work. <laughs> socialism doesn't work. Um, and neither does compromising with the world work. The devil will never compromise. Did you know that? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that the devil, you know, think, just think back. The devil never compromises. Ever. But he stands his ground and we compromise. That's a shame, but that's the truth. Exactly the truth. Though the Lord Jesus mingled among the world, he never ever took part with the ungodly world. That that is that whole mass of men or humanity that's alienated from God and from and is hostile toward God. And then thirdly, we get these are just short points, so I'll try not to uh, keep you too long here. Jesus is a true friend to his brethren. Jesus will always tell you the truth. You know, that's what a friend does. A friend tells you the truth. Most of us, most of the time, don't really want to hear the truth, do we? I mean, not really. Some folks will get offended when the pastor tells them the truth, but they're not really offended at the pastor. They're offended at what the pastor says, the Word of God. And let's face it, we all at some point, sometimes we get offended. You get your feelings hurt. But sometimes that's what the truth does on purpose. Sometimes the truth hurts your feelings. And and sometimes the truth has to hurt your feelings to, to do you good. Proverbs 27, verse 9 and 10. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Sometimes, you know, a true friend says, look, 
we got to talk about this. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go unto thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Now he's talking about, you know, you want, if you have troubles and if you need true counsel, you need counsel where the person's going to tell you the truth, go to a friend. That's the ones that's going to tell you the truth. They're, they should tell you the truth. The Lord Jesus has all ha, always has our best interest at heart. Always. And that friend, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Does a true friend always tell you what you want to hear? Well, we should hope not. You know, if I'm always patting you on the back and saying, oh, it's okay, when it really isn't okay, then that person's not being a true friend. And if that person is your friend then you must not get offended at that person who is trying to help you by telling you the truth. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you jump on them with both feet and hit them over the head with a ball bat and just keep beating them and beating them and beating them. This means use compassion and caring and love to convey what needs to be said. That's an understood statement. True friends can and should always be honest with each other, yet being compassionate and caring. The Lord Jesus is always truthful. He's always truthful with us, and we should always be truthful with Him. All right, now the next point, which is I think my final point here, Maybe one more, but it's they're quick. Jesus will never leave or forsake his friends. See, that's what a friend does. Friend does stay with, stick with his that one that's his friend. Back there where David and Jonathan says their souls were knit together. Knit together. And there's nothing wrong with having earthly friends. I think it's important to have earthly friends. I think it's important to have a healthy relationship, a healthy life, to have friends. But don't forsake the first friend for other friends. Uh, Jesus is always your first friend. And he'll never leave us. When he ascended back to heaven, he made sure that we were not left alone, didn't he? He said, well, first of all, he told his disciples, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. That was a promise of his coming back. But also he promised 
He said, I'm not going to leave you friendless. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He might abide with you forever. Nevertheless, in verse 7 of John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, uh, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. I'm getting a signal here that my nap is over with, so I had to turn that off. Another comforter, he said. Another comforter. Another comforter in kind. The same in nature. Another comforter in kind, but the same in nature. For Jesus was God in the flesh, you remember, while the Holy Ghost is also God in the Spirit. We've all heard of the heroes the heroics, rather, of people who risk or even give their life to save others from harm or from death. But the goal, their object is not to give their life. The object is to save the other person. Uh, but uh, Jesus Christ did not perform a heroic act. Jesus is not our hero, he's our Savior. He willingly gave his life, and he didn't give his life in the expectation that he may survive the death. See, he didn't give his life saying, well, I'm going to try to save these people and try my best to save myself too. That was not possible. He had to die, and so he willingly died. He gave his life. He was not a hero. He's a savior. He's not even a martyr. Jesus is not a martyr. He didn't die for a cause. He died for sinners. The Lord Jesus gave up his life that we might live. That was the only way that we could live. And Jesus did not give His life for the righteous or the good. You know, He didn't come to die for righteous people. He did not die for one righteous person. Not one. He came to die for sinners. I did not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He died for those wicked, filthy, wretched, depraved sinners who despise the thought of Him. And then He changed them. And caused them to love him. You know, I, I remember the time when I I wouldn't. It, it sounded just 
foolish to even say the word Jesus. I didn't even like to say the word Jesus until the Lord saved me, changed me, caused me to love Him. He loved me, and then He caused me to love Him. Isn't that grace? (laughs) Wonderful grace. Mighty grace. He took our punishment that we might receive His righteousness. Now, finally, this is the real. This is really the last one. As our friend Jesus comforts and the sorrowing, the sorrowing heart. When we need Him, He's there. We can feel His presence. He gives us assurance that all things work together for good. How many times have you? read that verse of Scripture and really thought about it. For we know that all things work together for good. Not for everyone, but to them that love God. Them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. Everything. All, even bad things work together for good. For them that love God. So, uh, we have that assurance. A friend is not one who will bail you out every time you foolishly get into trouble. But, unfortunately, much of our troubles are brought on by our own foolish ways. Our failures are due to our failure to seek the wisdom of God. Your friend Jesus will sometimes allow you to experience and suffer things, suffer trials. Your friend Jesus will sometimes lovingly chasten you when you go astray. Many times, while here, Jesus comforted the sorrowing heart by healing. He raised the dead. He's he sealed, he, he healed people. He performed certain miracles for the good of people. Paul besought the Lord three times to deliver him from an infirmity, but his friend said, My grace is sufficient for you. I, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. But Jesus is a friend who sticks with us And He's there when we need Him. You know, even the best of friends on earth, even the best of friends, you may need them desperately. You pick up the phone and there's no answer. You pick up the phone and you get a voicemail. The best of friends with the best intentions And you may need them desperately and they have something, some circumstance that arises that they just simply can't be there for you. They want to, but they just can't. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And will. You'll never get... Voicemail with Jesus. 
How about that? Never will. You ever call to make take care of some kind of business on the phone and you never get to talk to a human? Isn't that frustrating? You call on Jesus, you get him every time. Every single time. You know, he's never put you on hold either. Never. There can be no doubt that Jesus is a friend to sinners. Lost sinners, you have a friend in Jesus. And that he seeks them out as lost sheep having no shepherd. And gives them life and salvation. Jesus is a true friend in that he shows us the truth about him and about ourselves. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is also blessed and comforts us day by day. You may say, well, I never get comforted by Jesus. Have you ever, have you talked to him? Have you talked to him lately? Have you let him talk to you? That's where you get communication. When first, first, you listen to what he has to say. And when you do that, he'll listen to what you have to say. He strengthens us in our weaknesses. He leads us through the dark valleys. He cheers us when we're downhearted and gives us victory over temptation. What a friend, what a friend we have in Jesus. May the Lord bless you this afternoon.